0: to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Processes and tools dominate today's Agile discussions, but we are devoted to the individuals and interactions that make it work. From the beginner to the veteran practitioner, we have something for you. Welcome to Agile for Humans. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Agile for Humans. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley. This is the podcast about the individuals and interactions that make Agile work. Our focus is on the human side of Agile, the things that don't involve the tools and the practices, more of the people behind what makes Agile so great. And you know, the people behind what make this show what is even possible, it's all of you. We've gotten a lot of great feedback from the iTunes reviews, so please hit iTunes and, and leave us a, a review there if you can. Uh, we've started to see an uptick in Patreon and newsletter signups and all of you have just been sharing the show. The numbers keep getting better and better. So thank you for that. Uh, sharing certainly is caring and, uh, from the numbers we've seen, you all certainly care. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of that. We're going to get into the show. Now we have Steve Porter on the show. Steve is with scrum.org. He does a lot of the, uh, the trainer activities, uh, and just really all around great agile thinkers. So without any further ado, here is Steve Porter. Steve, welcome to the show. I'm doing great, thanks. So, Steve uh, heads up the PST community. I believe it's Scrum.org. I, I don't know the official title. Steve, help me out.
1: Well, I, I, I will. I'll give. I'll give credit. Credit is due. The person who actually heads up the PST program is a woman by the name of Daphne Harris. Uh, she's awesome. She has uh, interviewed and been involved with every single PST who has ever uh, been part of the community, plus every single candidate. So. She owns that. My job is to support her, obviously, and generally to support our professional community. So Excellent. once you become a PST, I'm there to help support you. But beyond that, any of our anybody who's interested in becoming a, a scrum professional, my job is to really to help you with that uh, goal, to provide uh, learning opportunities, material, whatever I can do to help you achieve your goal. Because it's people of that community that fulfill our mission of uh, improving professional software delivery,
0: right? So between Daphne, who I agree is excellent, and uh, she definitely shepherded me through uh, the PST program. So between Def- Daphne, and Steve, um, we really have our professional community, and it's yes. uh, it's really been I've been interesting, or I've been interested in trying to get you on the show because um, I really appreciate and look up to the way that you. Um, put a lot of consideration and thought into Scrum, right? So when we ask a question, a lot of people will give a off-the-hip answer, but then you'll come back with something uh, very powerful that make us all stop and think. And so just really appreciate that and wanted to see if we could dig into that a little bit.
1: Sure, that sounds great, and, and I appreciate that. Scrum, I love Scrum. Uh, I'm really a huge enthusiast. Uh, enthusiast. Uh, I love its simplicity, but I, there is a lot of depth in the framework, Ken and Jeff have done such an amazing job of building this wonderful thing that really people have taken and used to do some just awesome things out there in the world.
0: Oh, absolutely. I know we've talked on the show in the past about the uh, Guyana police uh, force using Scrum to, to help secure their country. Um, yeah. I know Dave West shared that with us on a previous episode. I mean, that's just, just one of many ways that Scrum, I think, has made the world better. Uh, when when it comes to thinking about Scrum, so mm-hmm. you're in a, you're in a position where you're supporting PSTs. I think we have, um, I think one of the strongest Scrum communities in the world. It's very very intimidating to be a member of this community. I you know I recently joined it as the listeners might know, and uh, there's a lot of very smart people here. And when you get hit with the question, Steve, you know, what are the things that I know you pause and you make this, and I, it's very clear that you're thinking through it. But when you're about to give, you know, a very specific answer about Scrum, what are the things? Do you have like a filter? Do you have a process? Do you have, you know, <laughs> things in your mind where you you make you go through as you try to make sure that um, the answer is precise and and powerful and and meaningful to the to the person asking the question?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do. Uh, Scrum is a relatively simple set of rules and. Uh, whenever someone has a question about some nuance, it's usually the question comes from their context and context is very important. And I do want to appreciate their context, but I do often like to start off with kind of the basic scrum answer. Some of the foundational pieces talk about transparency, inspection, adaptation, those sort of pieces. So often you can kick off the response with, well, you know, is your Tell me a little bit about the transparency that you have. Tell me a little bit about what you're currently doing uh, just to, to kind of dig in a little bit at some of the core pieces. But then I do want to try to follow up with questions to understand the context. Context is key when you're talking about Scrum. We're talking about complex work. And the answers to most people's challenges in complex environments require a little bit of questioning to see... Uh, what uh, what environment you're currently in right now. And then I can start providing a bit more guidance.
0: And so once you get through and you understand the the context, and, and maybe it's... Um, I'm, I'm sure you get a wide variety of questions. Do you see themes, though? So especially when someone's challenging you about Scrum and you figure out the context and you find out a little bit more, have you seen these patterns of, of misunderstanding? Have you seen these patterns of concern? Is there something that's really stood out to you where... You know, this aspect of Scrum in particular has really just been misunderstood or misrepresented, or both.
1: That is a good question. Uh, that has been one of the, and whether it's a question in a classroom setting or just my interactions with people, uh, kind of out in the wild, uh, addressing people who are trying to use Scrum or have used Scrum or been in environments where. Ah, uh, they've attempted it and struggled, and they they come at me a bit with the scrum doesn't work. We've tried Scrum. this doesn't work. we this this piece doesn't uh, isn't uh, isn't necessarily making me better. And I will start asking questions around, well, what exactly are your challenges? What exactly are your problems? Why are, what are you what are you trying to to accomplish, and what are you doing? And I will often uncover, the challenges that they're having aren't necessarily with the framework themselves, but there were some of the pieces that they've added onto it. Some of the additional practices that they did, that they've included, that they think they need to do because they want to follow the framework, but really they're just additional practices that may at one time have helped somebody they talk to, and that's why they picked them up. But in their context, remember context is king here. in their context these things don't work, And because they don't work, they blame Scrum. And so understanding, again, understanding their context and understanding uh, what they think they need to do or don't need to do to get the most out of Scrum uh, and where those those myths may be help me have a deeper conversation.
0: Hey, everyone, it's Ryan Ripley. We're going to break in here real quick. I want to tell you about... Uh, an upcoming conference from Techwell. It's actually the Agile Testing Days USA. Are you ready to get that party started? If you haven't heard yet, Europe's fun and wildly popular Agile Testing Festival is coming to North America this June 25th through the 29th as Agile Testing Days USA. I'm very excited about this. The Agile Testing Days USA conference will be a festival of learning and sharing for the community. The Agile-focused learning experience will provide an interactive way to get deep insights, in the latest developments in testing and Agile excellence, as well as many opportunities to network with fellow passionate Agile software professionals. Some of the upcoming tutorials in Boston include an Agile Management and Leadership Clinic, a Leading Global Adoptions Workshop, a Mob Programming Hands-On Workshop, and a huge variety of other top-notch Agile learning sessions. We hope you'll be able to join uh, the community in Boston for this inaugural event. Explore the upcoming program details at well.tc forward slash agile testing days usa there will be a a link in the show notes for this please do check it out also agile for humans listeners use the code humans all uppercase h-u-m-a-n-s to receive an additional 10 percent off of the super early lobster pricing when you register by april 27th great way to save on an awesome conference it's very exciting they're bringing this to the u.s i've always wanted to check this one out except it's never been here now it is Use the, use the code HUMANS, all uppercase, to get 10% off the super early lobster pricing. A wonderful opportunity. The website, again, well.tc forward slash Agile Testing Days USA. I hope to see you there. It's a, it's a good one, and uh, I, I'm just, I can't believe they brought it to the U.S. It's going to be great. So with that said, let's get back to the interview with Steve Porter as we learn more about how he thinks about Scrum and uh, some of the ways that we can apply those thinkings as well. And I'm sure that happens quite a bit, especially in in your vast travels. So I'm actually surprised I'm catching you at home, um, Steve. For the listeners who don't know, I think you've hit most continents teaching Scrum. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've seen many different scenarios and many different students. And so, with that with that context set, with just a wide experience of of students uh, in many many different uh, verticals and, and contexts, and when you're when you're Helping this new Scrum Master, right? So we, we have someone who's going through a two-day course or someone that you've decided to mentor and really help um, grow in their role. What are the things that you start with? Now, and I don't mean, of course, the two-day course. I mean, that's, that's important, <laughs> right? So for everyone out there, the two-day course is important. Let's get started on the right foot. But when you're looking to actually help someone through their career as a Scrum Master or to really deepen their understanding of the role... You know, what do you turn to 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 get that conversation going and to get that person further down the path
1: so if I'm dealing with scrum masters people who uh, job it is to provide that guidance that support to people one of the things that I really want to drill into people in that role and this may sound a little odd but what I what really want to impress upon people is you're not as smart as you think you are that Again, context is really important. And you may come to a two-day class. You may come to, you may come to your team with a whole bunch of ideas on how you're going to make this team improve. And I need to convince people that their ideas may be harmful. They may be detrimental because you're going to bring your experience from potentially some other context. So I want every scrum master to approach the role with humility with that uh, idea that hey, I'm here to help you. Why don't you? Why don't we talk about what your challenges are, and together we can explore some ways to to make you better. Um, I had an inter- really interesting experience in today's two day class. Uh, so we are wrapping up, and at the we're doing kind of the the closing out at the end of day two, and I had a more senior person sitting in the class and we've been talking a little bit about next steps and he was very excited about what he had heard and talked about okay just want to let people know that like this isn't going to be like the regular classes that you've been in where nothing's going to happen something is going to happen things are going to change and he was very excited and I have to take him aside afterward and say okay you've unfortunately just undone some of what I have tried to teach you over the last couple of days, because you are now leading this. And I want you to encourage people to join you, not necessarily tell them they're going to change. And that's one of the places I want people to start from are in that scrum master role, is you're there to help people. It's that servant leadership role that I know you you know a lot about, you're really passionate about. It's how can you serve people? That's the foundation that I want to uh really teach people so that's the thing they go uh leaving that two day class going to the organization thinking about how can i serve others
0: yeah it, it's a hard lesson i actually uh, fell into that trap uh, many many years ago where you get very excited and you come back from this class and i, I think what it does it shows people a world of possibility mm-hmm. right we don't have to death march these projects we don't have to act in the dark we don't have to lie about status because if we say something's red we get in trouble. There's all these things that that you kind of get free of when you start thinking in in a scrum type of way and especially when you embrace the scrum values. Right? Yeah. I think those things are just an infusion of life into your practices and, and you can get very very excited. Um and I got overly ambitious and and a little pushy and it, it became about me and there's actually a fellow PST. I won't call him out cuz I think he'd be embarrassed a bit but I mean he actually <laughs> pulled me aside uh, back when I was a student, and and he was the the still is the PST, but back then, and he said, "This is not about you. None of this is about you. Like yeah. you are you are the least. You, this is all about the people you're serving, yeah. right? And so their needs come first. And that really that was a very uh, pivotal day where I had to kind of calm down a bit um, mm-hmm. and realize that the context from the classroom back into the organization is totally different." Yeah. Um, the people around me have not seen the world of possibility yet. So it's my job to see where they're at, see what the context will allow and make some incremental steps and changes. Uh, but with them as a partner with, and not me being a hero. And it was a really, uh, it's a difficult lesson. I mean, it really is one that, especially in, uh, the modern corporate culture where you want to be recognized for promotion and for advancement and for bonus. It's, It is totally counterculture and counterintuitive, but so essential that the scrum master is truly the servant leader and uh, and not uh, at the forefront.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, my times as a scrum master. I would often get uh, uh, accused of being lazy because (laughs) I would have teams come to me and say, Steve, Steve, got an impediment. We need you to fix this. And my first response always would be, this is not an impediment. This is not my job. This is your job. Go back and fix it. Have you tried (laughs) to fix it? I'm not touching this. I'm busy. You can go fix this. And I would really want to encourage teams to solve their own problem. Because if I'm solving their problems, I become a bottleneck. So uh, there's that uh, sense of, yes, you are there to serve. But sometimes the best way you can serve people is to not help them at all, potentially even watch them fail. Uh, I just was reminded today in my class of a great quote from the latest Star Wars movie, you know, about failure being the best teacher. And as a scrum master, you're a coach, you're an educator, you're helping people. And there are certainly times where it's like, okay, teams run into some issues. I certainly have a solution for them, but they're not ready for me to come in and help them. I'm just going to let this go. And the great thing about Scrum, one of the things I really love about Scrum is it's a container for experimentation, and you've always got limited risk. Most of the times you're going to have a failure, and I'm going to put that in quotes, right? We're talking about a relatively short period of time. We're talking about a relatively small amount of people. And even in the case where I've had, where you've had a sprint that would be a failure. We didn't get everything done. Did you get something done? Did you learn something? Was there a little bit of value that you received? Did you? Is the next sprint going to be better because of the quote-unquote failure you had this sprint? Excellent. You still got some value. And again, it was a relatively short horizon for effort. And one of the great things that Scrum gives teams is this freedom to experiment and this freedom to potentially fail. But it's okay. We have a safe environment that you can do that in. Um, bit of a tangent, but uh, I've been hearing a lot about safety and how important safety is when you're doing complex work. And I think Scrum is built for safety because you've got those time boxes that one month or less container to minimize any of your risk. And yeah, team self-organized. We're not going to give them command and control pieces, but that's okay. We're giving them container. And at the end of the container, we're going to check in. Hey, how did you do? And not only are we going to check in, but we're going to give them the time to do some introspection, to figure out ways to improve, to learn from their potential mistakes. And then the next sprint will be better.
0: That really is a, uh... To me, the power of the framework. You know, some argue it's double loop learning. Some argue it's not double loop learning. Whatever you want to call it, um, the ability just just the inflection moment. Just that, um, hey, we're going to pause here. We're gonna okay. we're gonna think about what we did. We're gonna think about how we did it. We're gonna think about how we felt about doing it. I mean, all those yeah. things come to the forefront um, through the sprint retrospective. You know, the ability to look at, hey, are we even quality right through our definition of done during that meeting? Where you know most people. Um, don't realize, or the teams that I've coached at least, they don't realize initially that, hey, we're supposed to have that quality discussion too and make sure the definition of done is meeting that. You know, all those important things that promote safety. I think the definition of done is a huge safety card. It's we know that these things are, are true about our software. Uh, the scrum values come in. I, I think you're absolutely right. It's built for safety. The values, um, you know, the, the commitment, the courage, uh, respect all of those things coming together the uh, the focus and openness those things coming together um, they, they all scream safety i mean how can how can uh how can you not have a safe environment when all of these things are in place so i i love that observation um, another thing that uh that gets talked about a lot are these uh feature factories right the the idea of the feature factory where or a friend of the a friend of the show, Cal uh, Shaw, he talks about backlog lumberjacks, where teams are just hacking through the backlog, chopping it up and delivering and delivering, and it's not a cohesive thing. And uh, something I wanted to ask you about because this is even an area where I've struggled in the past to articulate it very well. So I'm going to steal whatever answer you give for the next <laughs> class. But you know this, the, the sprint goal, right? I think this is one of those things where. Um, we've lost the idea, at least in some teams, that this is your north star. This mm-hmm. is the this is our focal point. This is the the big idea. And I know that um, you know with, with your your vast background of of teaching teams, I'm sure the question about the sprint goal comes up a lot. Um, how do you address uh, teams that are confused about the idea of the sprint goal, and especially you know the impacts of not having a good one?
1: Yeah, or the impacts of not having one at all. Yeah, uh, yeah. interesting. The, the scrum guide, the framework, people, people often get uh, really focused on the events, roles, and artifacts and how they are a really key point of uh, the framework, and you need to have those. And then they start talking about the scrum goal, and they say, well, scrum goal is optional, right? It's not an event role or artifact. You don't need to have it. And uh, I'm, I coach people to say, okay, yeah, it's not an event role or artifact, but what are you doing in the daily?" like look through the guide what are you doing the daily you're talking about the goal what are you doing in planning what are you doing in the re- all the other spots um i just recently had uh, t- uh twitter just tweeted recently um that the word uh sprint goal is listed like 27 times in the scrum guide i think i think if you counted it up probably the word sprint goal is in there more than increment <laughs> uh, uh so and and and, and I think I include in that tweet, like the word velocity and task and planning poker and stand-up are in there not at all. But <laughs> sprint goal is in there a whole bunch of times because how important it is. So, uh, so for the people out there who think it's like, well, I don't need to have one because it's not an event roll artifact, you need to have one. Uh, and the value that, again, that value it brings people is it is – the reason to pull a group of people together and set them towards something that they can work together as a team to produce. Uh, I do. I, I, I spend time with teams uh, who are in those more feature factory pieces or they're in more of a service role, not product delivery role. And they're just on a they're just on a bit of a treadmill work comes in, they do it, work goes out. Work comes in, they do it, work goes out. In a in a very singular individual fashion. And I I try to work with those teams. They're, I'm certainly there, there there are probably organizations out there where an individual person can take a piece of work, work on that piece of work and deliver it in a way that has customer value when they're all on their own. Um, I can't think of any environments, and I haven't experienced environments where a single individual can provide value on their own, but it may happen. But in most cases, you probably have a collection of people who are responsible for delivering value. You've got somebody working closely with the customer uh, to elicit some business needs. You may have other individuals whose skills are uh, testing. There are skills for deployment. There are skills for uh, constructing things. You may have a single person who has all those skills, most likely you have a team. And because you have a team, you need something to pull that team together. What's the, what's the reason that we as a group of people are going to do something instead of me just being responsible for this little individual piece of work that on its own doesn't provide value? And this is what that Scrum, uh, sorry, Scrum, Sprint goal gives you. It gives the reason for a group of people to think above and beyond just their piece of work. And with some of the teams I work with who may be in more of a support environment, they may be in an environment where the work is a little bit more interrupt driven. And for those teams, they often say, well, Scrum's not good for us because it's really hard to plan out a week's worth of work because a lot of our work still provides value, but it's it. Uh, appears suddenly, we can deal with it relatively quickly and then we can get it done quickly. Uh, so, in this, because of this, Trump's not going to work. There's no no advantage for us. And I always say to those people, it's like, okay, so a, maybe even a good chunk of your work might be more interrupt driven. You still require a team though. And I always challenge those teams to say, okay, let's pick a period of time one month, or sorry, not one month, one week, two weeks, whatever it is. Pull that team together and say, hey, as a team, work is going to come and go. But what do we want to accomplish over this period of time? What's the thing that when we come to the end of that period of time, let's say it's even the end of the week, that we can look at each other and say, hey, we got this done. Because if you don't have those things that bind the teams together and you have a whole bunch of people off on their own, doing their own thing, and you can easily end up with some very suboptimal optimizations as people try to figure out what's best for them instead of what's best for the team and potentially what's best for the organization that team's working inside of.
0: Yeah, I think that's... I'm definitely stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> so for, those, for the listeners out there who are struggling with the idea of a, of a sprint goal, do you have one uh, from recent memory or where you've seen a team uh, share one with you just... An example, just so that I know a lot of times we we gravitate towards the login. You know, the sprint goal for this is that we can log into the site, but a user doesn't really ask for that. Uh, They ask for their things to be secure. And so perhaps the sprint goal is to provide security for a user's data. You know, perhaps that's what we're after and login is just a piece of that. But that's not really, that's the cliched example. Have you seen anything compelling or an example that would really bring clarity to to the purpose of, of a sprint goal?
1: Oh, give me a second to think about that.
0: Sure. Probably
1: the the one that jumps out to, to my mind, um, I spent 18 months as a product owner working for a company called Telerik, an uh, awesome company, and they had a, a tool that helped teams basically manage their backlog or manage their work is maybe a better way to start this story. Uh, And when I joined the team, uh, it was interesting. They had uh, the work they managed in the tool was categorized as user stories or bugs or risks or issues. I think those were the four different categories of things that they would manage. And they had no centralized uh, view in the tool of all of that work at once. And when I joined the company as a product owner, being a scrum guy, my first thought was, well, where's your backlog? And it's like, well, we've got a list of bugs here. We've got a list of user stories here. And we've got a list of risks all those issues. It's like, well, but certainly those bugs and those stories, that's in the same backlog. So where's the view that I can see all of them? And they're like, oh, well, we don't do that. I'm like, okay, we got to fix that because you've got to have one of those. So I sat down with the development team and we started to talk about the work we were going to have to do to get that functionality into the system. And we're talking about a major refactoring here. Uh, the, the The architecture under the hood didn't really support showing all of those in a way where a product owner could do drag and drop and edit it and sort it and do all that sort of things you wanted to do. It was going to be months worth of work to get that out. So our first sprint, my goal was, all right, let's make progress in the backlog so we can show something to our end users that will give them an idea of where we're going. Like bare minimum, what's the what's the minimum thing we can do? That we can show to our users, so they can they can get involved in this, and that was kind of the goal. Now you notice I didn't talk about any product backlog items. I didn't. It was just kind of the theme. It's like okay, we got two weeks period of time. What could we possibly accomplish here? And that was the that was the goal that we talked about in planning. And when inside of planning, we kind of looked at all the different pieces we could do. We kind of pulled a collection of work. But the, that goal was, you know, it wasn't even MVP at that was point. It was like how can we. Just get started. And interesting for that goal, because there were a lot of discussions during the sprint with, well, do we do this or do we do that? Do we do this or do we do that? And we always came back to the, okay, what's the bare minimum we can get done here so that the the review, we can show our stakeholders the direction we're heading. And they made a lot of very interesting decisions based on that. So I got to the sprint review, uh, sat down with my VP and showed him what we had. And in this case, it was a static, almost a report, a static dump of all of these different things all in a grid. Uh, You couldn't edit it, you couldn't sort it, you couldn't do anything, right? But there was a lot of technical underpinnings to actually pull all that data together and actually show it on a single screen. Uh, And I put it in front of my, uh, my VP, one of our major stakeholders, and said, here's what we worked on the last two weeks. And he was like, this is awful. I can't use this. I can't sort it. I can't like, what have you guys been doing? And I said to him like, okay, well, hang on for a second. We, we've got weeks worth of work planned here, but I wanted to get started with something. So I wanted to show you kind of where we're heading. So you're right. This probably doesn't provide you a lot of value. I could, but it's ready to go, right? If you want it, I could deploy it to our environment. We use the tool internally. I could use this and you could, actually pull this up on our own data you say you can't use this what would make it useful and he looked down and went oh well if I could if I could sort on a column at least if I could sort on a column any column that would give me a way of kind of digging through the data and I could sort on the columns but I need more than that I need filtering I need all I need to be able to edit and it's like yeah I know you need all of that but based on what you see here what's what would make this useful for you tomorrow it's like okay well sort in the columns all right you can imagine what my next sprint the highest priority highest ordered item the backlog was that sorting we also did some other things but two weeks passed went to the review and he looked at it and went okay great i can do this but i still can't do blah 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 and it's like i know that but is this better it's like oh yeah that's much better all right what do you want next wash rinse repeat So that goal of get something out there that I can put in front of my users and by put in front of my users, I mean, I can deploy it and they can use it in quotes, use it. They can actually do something so I can get feedback. That's what we did. And it was just an interesting challenge to our engineers who had all of this stuff they wanted to do. It's like, no, let's have some focus. What's the bare minimum we can do so we can get in front of our users so they can give us actionable feedback that was the sprint goal.
0: Yeah, I'm going to steal that too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Feel so, free. Just attribute me the first time and then after that it's yours.
0: Got it. So you will you will have the first attribution. No, that I think that's a that's a great way to explain it. I really appreciate you doing that. It's um it's one of those under or not well understood, probably underappreciated features of Scrum that uh if people focused on that, it's certainly something I focus on with my teams trying to make sure that we have that focal point and trying to keep the conversation directed. It's so easy for work to come in the side door that would distract us from, from what we're trying to do. And if we don't have that thing to point to, I even actually try to put, you know, above the, the, the team board, here's our goal for the sprint so that people can just point when new work comes in. And it's really a powerful thing. And no, I think that that's a great explanation. I, I wanted to touch on something real quick too you mentioned your role as a product owner you have a really interesting video out on the scrum.org site one of the tapas is about trusting the team yeah and i found it was really interesting that um that you had to um remind yourself of that at a certain point that the team uh, that we are to trust the team can you go into that a little bit i don't want you to give away the tapas video we'll we'll post that or we'll put that in the show notes we'll make sure people have a link to it but why is trust so important especially from a, a product owner role so uh,
1: why it's really important, I, I, I re- you really need to encourage teams to take ownership for the work that they do. Uh, this is why, as a Scrum Master, I would when teams come to me, I would basically say, like, no, this is not my job, this is your job. You want teams to take ownership. And product owners, if they're not careful, can make teams feel like they're not empowered. And as soon as teams feel like they're not empowered – they're A, they're not going to be as motivated to do the work. And, and B, they're, they're just not going to take responsibility for delivering awesome quality stuff that, that their users want. So I'm always reminding product owners that, uh, you do have a lot of accountability. You're accountable for the value that this team is working on. So, Work with your team to order the product backlog to make sure the most valuable stuff is at the top. Um, And then pass that work off to the team and then let them run with it. Let them take ownership of of the delivery portion, which is is the piece that they own. It's the piece they're accountable for, right? Delivering high-quality increments. And be really careful about making them feel like they don't have ownership of that. Because as soon as you make them feel like they don't have ownership, then they will, they'll, they'll stop being as engaged as you need them to be engaged and, and potentially just start not putting in that full effort they need to put in.
0: Yeah, I, I think between the empowerment and then back to your last example, being able to see the impact of their work. If those two things are lacking, I I don't know a better way to demotivate and derail a team.
1: Yeah, and it can be so powerful when you've got uh, great synergy between the product owner who uh, is thinking about what the customer wants, thinking about the end stakeholder and what value I can deliver to them. You've got the development team who is focused on producing high-quality work. And then you've got that scrum master making sure that uh, there's a balance between the two that you could, it's quite easy to over-engineer pieces of work. It's quite easy to think uh, too much. Uh, Yeah. It's possible to think too much about quality uh, and not think about getting something to the end user to provide them value. So having, someone in between the two, and that's that Scrum Master role, to get teams to understand the value they're delivering and that there's value in getting things into customers' hands to validate uh, sooner rather than later, and product owner to understand that the team are quality engineers, they're they're doing professional work, and to listen to them when they say yes or no about something.
0: Uh, Absolutely critical. I I love the idea of the yeah, you know, the focus that you talk about, and it's because it's the short feedback loops, the small bets, the small risk, the small increment, and, yeah. and suddenly we're we're safe to change, we're safe to to learn, to fail, to to grow, and ultimately we deliver. And that uh, yeah. it is a powerful message. It's why I I'm excited about Scrum. It's yeah, the, me me too. So, well, Steve, yeah. I know we're hitting up on our time box, and I know that um, uh, you. I'm, like I said, I'm amazed you're home, but I know you're still very, very busy. So I wanted to, wanted to give you an opportunity uh, here at the end just to get anything in front of the listeners that you think is important to them. Um, you know, I, I highly encourage everyone to read the Scrum Guide. I'm going to start doing that at the end of every show because I'm I've I've had one too many uh, teams where I've taken over as a coach or as a Scrum Master. Actually, I'm trying to do more Scrum Master roles now, and uh, I say, all right teach me Scrum and they start teaching me Scrum then suddenly I say hold on, hold on who's read the Scrum Guide and you know three out of nine hands go up and it's all right. we gotta start there but aside from that aside from checking out the Scrum Guide at scrumguides.org what would you like to get in front of the listeners anything new and exciting that they should know about any resources that you would point them to Uh, the floor is yours
1: oh that's it's interesting I'm I'm not sure about uh, resources I would I would point towards I think the key message I want to give to people is uh question ask questions experiment with things um I, I do like scrum i do like the scrum guide but i don't want people to just do it because steve says it's great or ryan says it's great right i want you to um go back to your teams go to your organization say hey i really want to make this organization better and I think we've got a collection of people who can do that. Uh, I wanna go work with them to come up with some suggestions to improve and experiment with them. So my message really uh, to everyone out there is to tomorrow, try something different, try something new, try something you've never done before. Uh, And when you're doing that, do it in a safe environment. And for me, anytime you do an experiment, the way you do it safely is to have a period of time that you're going to run that experiment for. And when that period of time runs out, you're going to stop and go, all right, how did we do with that experiment? Did it go well? Excellent. Let's keep going. And if it didn't do well, be prepared to throw it out and do something new. Uh, and this might be a little uh, a little risky for me to say, but uh, Scrum might be the experiment that you try and it may not work out for you. And if you struggle with certain parts of the Scrum framework, uh, and the perfect example for me is, you know, Steve, we, you don't understand our environment. We can't get to production every two weeks. What we do is really hard. And, you know, I know you want it to be potentially releasable, but we can't do that. And does that mean we're not doing Scrum? And my response is going to be, yeah, sorry. Uh, one of the things that we, we, we uh, uh, get teams to do is at the end of every sprint to have something that's potentially releasable. Because if, if, if you don't have that, you're not going to get good feedback from people. But you know what? That's okay. Like I'm not going to – there are no scrum police. No one's going to come out there and arrest you. If at the end of the two-week period, I've got something that, you know, the best we can do is get it to UAT. As long as you keep trying to get better. And I will encourage people to use the idea of the Scrum framework, which is to pull a team together, pick a period of time that's safe to experiment in, give that team a goal. At the end of that period of time, have the team stop, review the work with anybody who's interested in it. After they've reviewed that work, sit down and say, okay, what went well what can we improve what what you know what changes are we going to make and then wash rinse repeat it's that's the part of the framework for me that is so important and the daily scrum and the sprint planning and the scrum master and the product owner those are means to an end but if you just focus on those bits then you're going to improve
0: great message steve if people want to continue the the conversation with you can they do that through Twitter? I mean, how would you prefer? And, and if you if Twitter's all right, what's your handle?
1: Uh, Twitter's great, and it's Steve uh, V's and Vincent R's and Robert Porter. So that's one way you can reach out to me in LinkedIn. Uh, Steve, VR Port, Steve VR Porter is the, the the thing you can punch into uh, LinkedIn, and that'll that'll reach me as well. Um, those are probably the two easiest ways to to uh, reach out to me, and I'm always happy to chat with people.
0: Excellent. Yeah, and that is, that is very true. So Steve um, has always been willing to entertain my silly questions over the past three or four years now, I think. Has it mm. been that long? It's been a it while now. It has been, yeah. And uh, I've always appreciated, they appreciated that and I've always learned a lot, especially even this conversation. I have a lot of new things to think about. So Steve, thanks for that. I do want to make sure we do give a shout out to uh, Tagalong Travel. Okay, oh, so you very much. she she's,
1: she's she been, appreciates that
0: she's been tweeting at us uh, throughout this conversation, and I wanted to make sure. So Steve's, uh, I mean, you're just a, a you're just a globetrotter. You're just all over the place. And uh, yeah. what what Steve's wife? Do you mind if I talk about this real quick?
1: No, please go ahead.
0: So what Steve's wife uh, Deb has done is she set up this tag along travel site where she goes with Steve to many of these locations, uh, and she explores them while Steve brings the. The, the Scrum framework to all corners of the earth. And so she blogs about interesting things to do in different countries, bike tours, all these all these great things that, you know, if you're traveling with a spouse or if you're traveling on your own, you're hitting these interesting countries and locations that you can do too. So it's at Tagalong Travel on Twitter, I believe. That's correct. Which I'll link in, in the uh, in the show notes. And then we'll also get the website and all that. But it's really interesting. I started reading some of it after uh, we met up in, in Boston at dinner a few months ago. Yeah. And uh, there's some really neat things to go and do. It's a really good site.
1: There is. And I'm, I'm, I, am, I know some of your lister, listeners are uh, in the agile coach consultant role, which means you tend to be a bit of a road warrior uh, traveling around where, where your customers are. So uh, I encourage anybody who does spend time uh, traveling, getting closer to their customers, which I really do encourage you to do to, uh, yeah, go look at her site because she's got lots of great suggestions for how you can make life on the road uh, a little less painful.
0: Yep, so we'll get uh, links to all that in the show notes. We'll make sure in some of the tweets that we uh, uh, we tweet at, at Tagalong Travel so that you, you can all find that really good stuff there. So, Steve, we're at the time box, and, uh, again, really appreciate this, really enjoyed it, and yeah. uh, can't wait for the next time that we uh, get to sit down and talk more Scrum. Looking forward to that. See you soon. Thanks for listening to Agile for Humans. Let's keep the conversation going. Drop us a question on Twitter at Agile for Humans or visit agileforhumans.com. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training.